The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 68 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 63, and in this corner, Goliath. This week's issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by Gene Colan, inks by George Klein, letters by Art Simic, and it comes to us in April of 1969. Starting off and taking a look at our cover, it's an interesting cover. It's not what I would necessarily call iconic, but it's definitely a memorable cover. It's worth noting that Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor all appear on the cover of this issue. However, none of those characters appear in the issue. And I do have to say that Goliath's new costume is a little heavy on, shall we say, the bondage side of things. You know, superhero costumes are always kind of pushing what I would call good taste. And I don't necessarily mean that in a vulgar manner, but certainly a questionable style taste. And this one in particular is rather questionable. Now, the opening of our issue is off to a very exciting start. When we last left the Avengers, they were in Wakanda after Black Panther faced off against M'Baku the Man-Ape. And here we see the Avengers returning home to their Manhattan mansion, and the aircraft in which they are traveling, presumably Black Panther's personal aircraft, has unfortunately malfunctioned, and it's basically taken a ballistic trajectory towards Manhattan. So we find the Avengers in this aircraft, not panicking, but certainly in a heightened state of awareness rapidly trying to stop their aircraft from turning into a missile and destroying property killing innocent people not to mention killing themselves i don't know if it's just me but in this opening panel where we see the aircraft plummeting towards Manhattan, I kind of actually see the face of Ultron 1 in the aircraft. Now, I realize it's not actually there, but at least to me, having just kind of been binge reading a lot of Avengers comics lately, it really does kind of look like Ultron. So again, as we find the Avengers, they are trying to save this aircraft, which according to Black Panther has been functioning perfectly the whole trip, and then suddenly something goes wrong. That does strike me as a little bit weird. And quite honestly, as you see in the next few pages, it's a little bit plot convenient and a little bit forced. Something like this has to happen in order to drive the story forward, as you'll see. While Black Panther tries to guide the ship in manually, Hawkeye attempts to fire an arrow that will basically tether the aircraft to the roof of a building and hopefully slow them down enough and stop them. Unfortunately, just as Hawkeye is about to loose his arrow, his bowstring snaps and the unfortunate result is that Vision has to come out of the aircraft and instead of using a bow and arrow to shoot this tether, Vision has to hurl it 
kind of like a spear, like a javelin, in order to stop the aircraft. And because of this, it only just barely stops where they want it to. And they find it hanging partially off of this building, off of Avengers Mansion. So because of this failure of Hawkeyes, the Avengers find themselves in a very precarious situation that almost turned into what can easily be described as a disaster. Now, the artwork on these first few pages is great. It really does an excellent job of conveying the sense of urgency and the sense of action amongst the Avengers. Right? Everybody is doing things and taking actions in order to try and save this aircraft and bring it in safely. In fact, Black Panther has this great kind of cowl mask pulled off look. It's not really a casual look. It's more of a down to business, hard work kind of look, but I really like it, especially with the mask kind of bunched up around his neck. It's definitely a roll up your sleeves kind of look for a superhero costume. Now, as the Avengers get out of this aircraft, Hawkeye is kind of grumbling that he finds himself being less and less useful. The reality is that over the last 20 or so issues, the Avengers have slowly become more and more powerful. And Hawkeye, at this point in the game, really only just being a master with a bow and arrow, is really kind of outclassed by his teammates. Even Black Panther has enhanced abilities. So Hawkeye is feeling more and more frustrated and his recent failure is only adding to those frustrations. But Hawkeye's grumbling gets interrupted because as the Avengers find their way down the stairs, they run into their two teammates who, who were absent in the last couple of issues, Wasp and Yellow Jacket. And I say Yellow Jacket because as the Avengers question and, and then as Hank explains, he's now going to go by the persona of Yellow Jacket. That part of his psychological breakdown from his growing to giant man. And so Hank wants to embrace this new Yellow Jacket persona because he feels that it's really gone a long way to changing who he is for the better, right? He was no longer indecisive. He married Janet. He feels that Yellow Jacket has their priorities right. So he's going to abandon the Goliath and Giant Man persona and stick with Yellow Jacket. Now, he's going to maintain his ability to control insects and shrink down, but his costume is going to be the one we saw from a few issues back with the wedding, and he's going to have a more Yellow Jacket-like persona. The big shoulder pieces on his costume are actually some form of wings. He has stingers like Jan does. So there are some changes to his powers. In a lot of ways, it's like Hank had a breakthrough in therapy, but instead it was a mental breakdown. And this kind of feels like he's doubling down on his own mental instability. And unfortunately, it's kind of predictive of the future. Instead of going and getting professional help, he just embraces what he feels is a change for the better. On the other hand, though, Hank looks pretty happy. So sometimes you got to go with it. Now, one thing that Hank does mention is that he has this brand new costume that Wasp has designed and that he has this new growth serum that's super powerful, like way more powerful than anything he used before. Obviously, this is kind of plot relevant. He determines that he needs to destroy it so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. But of course, he doesn't do it right away. He instead puts it in what is probably the most secure location he can think of, his gym locker. 
He pulls it out of a desk drawer and then puts it in his gym locker because that's going to keep it out of the wrong hands because nobody ever gets into Avengers Mansion except... Right, nope, nope, we've seen this before. Everybody gets into Avengers Mansion. It's like Oprah with cars. You get in the Avengers Mansion, you get in Avengers Mansion, and you get in Avengers Mansion. Everybody gets in this place. So I doubt Hank's judgment a little bit here. However, we're not going to get to that right away because this Avengers reunion and the discussion of Hank's new abilities gets interrupted by Nick Fury. Now, Nick isn't here in person. It's a transmission from Nick Fury, and he's telling the Avengers that Black Widow is in trouble. Now, if you remember, Black Widow has been off doing various missions for Nick Fury since she returned to being a superhero, and she has found herself in a couple of tight spots, as we've seen. Well, apparently, according to Nick, Black Widow has found herself in one of these spots again, and the Avengers are going to go and help rescue her. However, Hawkeye, because he's in a relationship with Black Widow, is not being allowed to go. Black Panther steps in and says, we're all going, but not Hawkeye, because you're too closely and too personally involved. Now, to me, this is kind of dumb. The Avengers have gotten involved with personal endeavors, personal quests on a regular basis. We literally just spent an issue for Black Panther to fight off Manape and save his throne. But apparently Hawkeye isn't allowed to join in. To me, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, seriously, the Avengers and superheroes in general are constantly getting too personally involved with things. And here you're going to say that Hawkeye can't go because he's too closely involved? That, to me, doesn't make sense. It's an inconsistency. Again, something to drive the plot forward towards a very specific end here. All of the Avengers leave, and they head off to a Caribbean island where Nick Fury says that he sent Black Widow. And Hawkeye is left alone to kind of mope around Avengers Mansion, because not only is the woman he loves in danger, but because of what happened earlier, he's feeling really crappy about himself. And as this is going on, and he's kind of bumming around, he suddenly gets a message from Black Widow. And she says, there's very little time, and I've been kidnapped, I'm a prisoner somewhere in New York, and I need you to rescue me, come come save me. But before she is able to tell him more details, she gets cut off. But because Hawkeye's been living in New York for a while, he recognizes the background noises, and realizes that she's being held somewhere near Coney Island. He recognizes the music, and the background noises and the roller coaster noises. So Hawkeye decides he has to go rescue Black Widow because obviously the other Avengers have been set off on a false mission or as far as he knows Black Widow's been moved or something to that effect but at this point he's the only one who has accurate information. He also decides he can't do it or as Hawkeye puts it it can't be done by some nut playing Robin Hood. So instead he goes and gets this new Goliath costume out of Hank's locker and then drinks the serum out of his locker and becomes the new Goliath. So again, this is the first time we are actually seeing someone in this new, very bondage-esque Goliath costume. Does kind of tell you a little bit something about Hank and Jan's private life, we'll say. That this is the costume that Jan designed for Hank. Yeah. Additionally, this is the first time we will see an Avenger adopt the powers of another Avenger or a former Avenger. And Hawkeye is the second Avenger to change their name and their costume. Well, really their name. Jan's 
changed her costume many times now. And he's really the first one to radically change his power set. Although Hank Pym started off as Ant-Man and then went to Giant-Man and then Goliath, in general, his power set has been pretty well contained to insects and changing size. In this case, Hawkeye is going from being an archer to having the ability to grow to super size. So it's a fairly significant change. So as Hawkeye starts to adapt to his new powers, we cut to Coney Island and we find Egghead, Puppet Master, and the Mad Thinker working together and having Black Widow as their prisoner in really what looks like some kind of rundown dark warehouse. Now, I will freely admit that this trio makes a great team of intellectual villains. They really aren't all that intimidating, though. I feel like Hawkeye could have taken on these three just as Hawkeye without having to change his powers to become Goliath. It's also entertaining, and this happens fairly frequently when you get intellectual villains together. They just squabble amongst themselves, trying to argue whose contribution to the plan was more important, things like that. And I always find that kind of entertaining. You know, sometimes you'll get the super scientist heroes together. You know, you get Tony Stark and Mr. Fantastic and Hank Pym together. And instead of this squabbling, they tend to feed on one another and get a more collaborative thing going. And it's so cliche of the villains to just squabble amongst themselves like this, but it's a lot of fun most of the time too, because they can be such petulant little children when they do it. Now, as they're arguing, the trio discover that there is, in fact, an Avenger, in this case, Goliath, whom they mistakenly identify as Hank Pym because, you know, nobody else knows that Hawkeye has taken this growth serum and he is literally riding the subway out to Coney Island. Now, of course, because these are intellectual villains, they're not going to do the fighting themselves. A lot of brains, not a whole lot of brawn, and they've got this giant hero, literally giant hero, coming at them. So what do they do? They go and release a android, a monster, to go fight Goliath. And the end of this issue turns into a weird mix between a 1950s B-horror film with a giant swamp creature android fighting a blonde superhero in bondage gear, and then it transitions into King Kong. And I mean, it really is a, a giant 50s kind of horror monster fight. You know, they smack each other around in and around Coney Island. The issue does a really great job of using Coney Island landmarks like the Wonder Wheel and the Cyclone, which are actual attractions at Coney Island, or, or at least were at the time, and giving you a good feeling, a good sense that you are, in fact, in New York. So throughout these last few pages where the two are fighting, the monster android also has Black Widow in, in his hand, which is kind of where the King Kong portion comes from. And he goes to climb an observation tower. Again, like King Kong climbing the Empire State Building. And Goliath manages to punch out this creature, save Black Widow, and the creature falls into this massive hole in the ground. And that's where our issue pretty well leaves off, is Hawkeye saves Black Widow, but then we don't really progress the story any further, and we don't have any interaction with the Avengers and this new Goliath. So overall, I have to say this is kind of a mediocre plot that really goes out of its way to force an existing character to change in order to fit a new mold. 
Hawkeye generally is thought of as a as a pretty popular fan favorite character nowadays. But at this point, it feels like they're trying to change Hawkeye to better fit the Avengers of this time, to give him superpowers and really make him into a superhero, not just a guy with a bow and arrow. And unfortunately, instead of taking time to further develop this idea, it really comes about over the course of just this issue. Because of that, everything feels really quite forced. And that's unfortunate because this could have been a long-running character development that finally peaks at a certain point. You know, maybe they could have started this 10 issues ago and I would feel a lot better about Hawkeye and how he feels about his powers and his contributions to the team instead of just going, well, where the hell did this come from? And Hawkeye making what feels like a very rash decision Having said that, the art on this issue is very, very strong, and it goes a long way to kind of cover for the plot. You know, the fact that comics is a visual medium as well as, as kind of a standard written story means that you have to have both elements, but when one element is weaker than the other, it can kind of cover, and the art tends to be able to cover for the story a lot more than story being able to cover for art. Also, the villains in this issue don't really serve much of a purpose other than providing a cause for Hawkeye to have to go rescue Black Widow. Egghead, Puppet Master, and Mad Thinker really are only in a couple of pages and even then don't really have any kind of plot or anything going on with them. They really, again, are just kind of serving to give Hawkeye something to do. Now, we'll see next issue Egghead do a little bit more and Puppet Master, although he's not in it, is tangentially involved. However, really, it comes down to they are here because the hero needs a villain. And that's always kind of a poor motivation for a villain. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about here is that uh, I'm recording this on November 12th, 2018. And rather unfortunately, uh, it was announced this afternoon, probably about four or five hours ago, that the one and only Stan Lee has passed away at the age of 95. Obviously, this is a very unfortunate occurrence. However, you know, I think we can all take a little bit of solace in the fact that, you know, Stan at 95 lived a very full and long life. You know, certainly Stan Lee is in large part responsible for the Marvel Universe as we know it, that he had at least some hand in creation of most of the core Marvel characters. And if nothing else, Stan has always been a charismatic and vocal proponent for comic books. You know, this is a man who, with the exception of World War II, had basically been in the comic industry since he was, I think, 16 years old. You know, he went to work for what would become Marvel, erasing pencils on inked pages and refilling inkwells and getting Jack Kirby's coffee and things like that to become editor-in-chief and then chairman emeritus and really helping to define Marvel Comics for decades. I always enjoy his cameos in the films. I did fortunately have the pleasure about five years ago to to briefly meet him to get a photograph, to get an autograph. And on top of that, I, I've seen him at a large number of conventions. You know, it used to be one of those things before I stopped waiting in line for New York Comic Con, like in the morning, that you would get online and you'd be standing around for an hour or two. And about halfway through, Stan would just come and start walking up and down the aisles and waving to people, shaking hands, you know, asking how 
people are doing. Just, you know, he had his entourage with him, but he was out there meeting the fans, you know, saying hi, and always with a smile on his face, always pleasant, always had wonderful things to say. He was always so excited for comics as a medium for everything that they were capable of doing and all of the untapped potential that was yet to yet to be used and you know it became an industry that he really loved obviously he used the name stan lee originally because you know he wanted to be a novelist and write his great american novel and he never did that but at the same time he gave us all of these characters and again really helped support a medium through a lot of hard times and we wouldn't have comics as we know them today at least in part without stan lee so unfortunately You know, everyone must go. Everyone's time will come. And today was Stan's. So again, probably on releasing this, it'll be three or four days past. But uh, right now it's it's only a few hours. And and, you know, it's unfortunate. I I actually spent the afternoon uh, watching the Avengers because I felt like I, you know, in the mood for a good Marvel movie to remember and celebrate the life of Stan Lee. Remember. You can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 64, like a death ray in the sky. All right. Hey. All right. Good job, guys. Uh, Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.